The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. There are business leaders that are making so much more than profit in their enterprises. They're elevating their businesses, teams, and themselves to add more value, and so can you. Welcome to the Business Elevation Show with host Chris Cooper. If you are looking for ways to elevate success while contributing to a better world, you'll want to listen for the next hour. Now here's your host, Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper and wonderful to be back with you for yet another week. And I'm so excited today to be introducing uh, my guest, uh, Dory Clark, to talk about standing out. Uh, Dory came hugely recommended to me by uh, my friend, uh, fellow radio host speaker Dov Barron from Vancouver and uh, I think this is going to be a wonderful and fascinating show today. Now before I introduce Dory, um, I'm just back from a holiday in Sweden and I wanted to thank Jared Nichols whose show I therefore repeated last week on future thinking and it seemed really appropriate um, repeating that show as I was spending time in a country that is very innovative in terms of its approach to uh, design and thinking about the future. And during the first week in Stockholm, we were looking at a vertical drop tower that stands out. It's in a theme park called Grona Lund, and it stands out right across the entire city. And looking at this thing and thinking, you know, how crazy people must be to plunge down it um, in this theme park. And it's so high, you can actually see the curvature of the earth from the top. But my eldest son, who's 10, he spent uh, several days persuading me to go down it with him. And uh, that sh- tower sure stood out, as does the feeling of me dropping down it at, uh, at a tremendous speed. But it's not just a tower that stands out, is it? People also stand out as well. And, but how do we stand out? How do we stand out in a busy, crowded kind of marketplace or you know, a city like Stockholm or New York or on the internet? So, but first, what we have to do, obviously, create a breakthrough idea, and then we generate it with a following around it. Uh, in March, I had some in- great insight from marketing expert David Newman on thought leadership marketing, and I wanted to build on that show and welcome Dory Clark, uh, the author of Stand Out, which was named the number one leadership book of 2015 by Inc. Magazine. Dory says the best career insurance for individuals and the best growth strategy for a business is to become the recognized expert in your field. Why? Because people trust experts, and of course, they pay a premium to work with them. Uh, Dory is an adjunct professor of business administration at Duke University's Fuku School of Business and the author of Reinventing You and Stand Out. She's a former presidential campaign spokeswoman. She's a frequent contributor to the Harvard Business Review, Time, Entrepreneur. She's recognized as a branding expert by the Associated Press Inc. and Fortune. Uh, Clark is marketing strategy consultant and speaker for some incredible clients like Google, Microsoft, Yale, Fidelity, and the World Bank. So, a huge welcome to Dory Clark. Hey, Chris. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, absolute pleasure, Dory. And uh, Dory, you're based in, uh, in New York. Is that right? I am indeed. Uh, the, the Big Apple. Yes, it's been, uh, it's been great. I moved here a couple of years ago from Boston. And how, how do you find the two cities? Are they, how do they differ? 
Well, you know, the thing that I was worried about with New York is that it's obviously so huge. There's there's nine million people. Uh, I thought that it might be difficult to uh, to meet people. That you know, perhaps it was it was so big that it was um, alienating or atomized or something like that. Uh, but actually, I, I realized that that the converse is true. That so many people come to a city like New York because they want to meet people, because they want to be in the thick of things, and so uh, people have been actually surprisingly welcome and uh and open to connecting and you know if you invite somebody to a party or dinner gathering or something like that uh unless they're out of town most people most people are very excited to do it and say yes so it's been uh really terrific in terms of making connections which i hadn't fully anticipated that's incredible nine million i just uh i just mentioned i've been to sweden and sweden has a population of nine million and and their country from north to south it's the same it's the same distance as from stockholm to rome it's that big yeah yeah exactly <laughs> well i guess i guess that's uh that's where they get the whole if you can make it in new york you can make it anywhere because basically new york is the size of anywhere else <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so, so what was it what was it like growing up for you i mean were you, were you brought up in that area and and how did that your background how did it lead to this presidential campaign pain spokeswoman and now thought leader yeah thank you i i did not uh grow up in uh in new york or nor or new england either i uh, actually grew up in a small town in north carolina um which was smaller than than both New York and Sweden. Um, when I was growing up, my town had a population of about 3,000 people. And my parents had moved there because it was a golf resort and they liked to golf, um, which I think is a uh, really wacky reason to move somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I grew up there and it was it was really not my place. I, I am not the kind of person that will move somewhere to uh, to live at a golf resort. And so I really tried to extricate myself as quickly as possible from that situation that was not of my choosing. And so uh, I, I made a beeline for it. And I actually, um, one, of, one of the sort of defining moments for me was uh, the plan that I hatched, thankfully, successfully, was uh, uh, being able to leave high school early and go to college when I was 14. And that was, uh, that was really great for me. I was able to, to get out of my little town in North Carolina and just kind of get on with my life, which is what I had wanted to do. So how did how did you do that? I mean, was that because of your your IQ or your hard work, or what, what, how did you manage to leave early? Well, there was uh, it, I mean, it was it was not this sort of unprecedented thing. There there was a program in place at the college. Um, it was Mary Baldwin College in Virginia, and so for you know the the ten years prior uh, or whatever, they had developed this early entrance program for, um, for high school students. And so there, there was an established pathway to doing it. Um, you know, I, I think that, you know, certainly you had to be smart enough to be able to do it, but, but really it was, uh, I think just a, a question that I was, uh, I was pretty mature for my age and I was, I was highly focused on wanting to get out of my town. So, uh, I think if, if your motivation is strong enough, then, um, then, you know, you can, uh, you can you can manage to attain what you want to do. Mm-hmm. But and what led you to be, to becoming a, a presidential campaign spokeswoman, which is a, a very topical uh, kind of uh, area at the moment with the U.S. presidential elections. Yes, it is certainly, and I, and I've in fact continued to do 
political commentary. Um, one yeah. fun thing this cycle is that uh, I've I've actually spent a lot of time uh, being a pundit on Canadian television, uh, which is which is kind of fun, uh, explaining explaining my countrymen, or at least attempting to do so. <laughs> it can be it can be challenging sometimes, <laughs> but uh, but I was always uh, really interested in politics, even even when I was a kid, and so that was an area that I wanted to explore. But um, you know, also when I was when I was young, when I was a teenager, uh, I, I came out and realized I was gay. And that was, uh, that was a, a real driver for me in terms of my political consciousness. Um, I knew that, uh, that I wanted to be active in, um, in participating politically because I was, um, you know, this was 20 years ago, uh, I was upset with what I considered to be the retrograde social policies of the day. Mm -hmm. And so, I, uh, I, you know, became involved in activism and advocacy and, and that sort of thing. And so I started working on various campaigns and ultimately, um, I managed to get enough experience that I, I got, you know, pretty good at it and was able to be reasonably credible. And so I first became a press secretary on a gubernatorial race in Massachusetts for the former U S labor secretary, Robert Reich. And then the, you know, the good news is that when you're talking about presidential politics, uh, you know, this is kind of a quirk of the American system, but, um, but a lot of the New Hampshire media market, New Hampshire being an early key primary state, comes from Massachusetts. So I had a lot of contacts and connections that made me desirable to work on a presidential campaign. And so I ended up uh, doing that for Howard Dean in the 2004 cycle, which was a great experience. Mm, absolutely fascinating. We could do with you on the UK, helping us to understand Donald Trump, but maybe we should uh, move, move, move on from that. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. We're watching. We're watching very closely, as probably you were when uh, when Brexit occurred over here. Um, yes, exactly. Fascinating, fascinating, fascinating um, subject. So, so I guess then you you were with these people on with presidential campaigns. You know these. Politicians are standing up as thought leaders, aren't they? And you, you were helping them to stand out. Well, that's exactly right. And I, I think that politics is a particularly good training ground because, you know, if you're doing corporate communications, of course, you know, that's, that's not easy and there's a lot of competition, things like that. But politics ta really takes it to a new level because in addition to the fact that you have to um, that you have to be good at getting your message out in a generally crowded landscape. You also have to do that while you have an opponent that's trying to, to hit you and they're deliberately trying to bring you off course. And so learning how to maintain message clarity and message discipline uh, in the face of that is, uh, is really excellent preparation for anything that you might do in a, uh, in a corporate or a personal branding sense. Yeah, I think that's uh, hugely, hugely true. It can be very, very difficult to obtain that clarity yourself. I think sometimes, um, uh, and that's probably when you know experts like yourself can can help. Sometimes need someone to look in from the outside as well. Um, yeah, exactly. We all we all have blind spots. That is for sure. Particularly if you're, if you're somebody like me who loves variety. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And what led you to, to then to decide to write a book about it? Well, you know, in a lot of ways, Chris, what led me to write a book about 
uh, about personal branding was uh, was really just uh, that the, the the opportunity uh, presented itself and chose me to a certain extent. I knew that I wanted to write a book. Uh, that was something that that I had always wanted to do as kind of a a general bucket list goal. But um, but I I had tried in fact to. Um, to put together proposals and sell them previously, and nothing had really ever worked. Um, at the time, I realized, you know, now retrospectively, that I kind of had the process backwards. I thought that if I just had a really good idea for a book and I was able to sell it, that I could use that uh, as a way of getting better known, you know, branding my business, et cetera. And, you know, I've now come to realize that the, maybe that, you know, that's how it used to work, but the publishing industry these days is so ridiculously risk averse. Nobody wants to take a chance on somebody without a, without a so-called platform, you know, somebody who's not already well known. And so I came to understand because, you know, in the face of all these rejections that, um, you know, no, nobody was going to give me a book contract um, based on just a good idea. So as a result, I started blogging. Uh, I figured that was a necessary way to to get better known and build an audience. And it was in the process of blogging. The second blog post that I ever wrote for the Harvard Business Review uh, was called How to Reinvent Your Personal Brand. And that ended up, for some reason, striking a chord. And uh, it became a popular post. HBR went back to me and asked me if I would turn it from a blog post into a full-length magazine article. And when I did that, I actually ended up getting approached by multiple literary agents asking if I had thought about turning it into a book. And so that was the point where I realized, like, oh, this is what it feels like when there's momentum around an idea. And uh, at that point, because I was then blogging for Harvard Business Review, I had enough of a, a platform that people were legitimately interested in what I had to say and that the topic resonated. Um, so that was what I ended up going deep on. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's uh, some good, you know, good insight in that for people. I certainly found when I started that myself, um, you know, started developing products and being on the internet and that people were telling me you need, you need products, you need books, but the, uh, you know, the traction only really starts when actually you have something of a following, uh, and it can be quite easy uh, spending time creating things that nobody will actually buy because they they don't know you and you don't yes. have that in the marketplace. So you know, then what you did there. You attracted people in, didn't you? You start to build an audience through your blogs. Exactly right. Yeah, it's definitely, you know, a, a frustratingly time-consuming process, but uh, but ultimately it is worthwhile because once you have that audience, then it's not just that you can write a book and people will buy it. Um, once you have an audience and people listening to you, it opens up this world of possibilities of people that are interested in what you're doing and. It actually enables you to try new things and take new chances because you have uh, a group of people that are willing to go along with you and say, "Oh, well, you know, you're offering this. Sure, let's let's try it out." And it can really uh, enable you to tap into new business models and and new possibilities. We just got four minutes to the commercial break, but I wonder, do you have any thoughts on you know, for people who are out there looking for their breakthrough idea? Because um, that can be quite tricky, can't they? Particularly if you're I mentioned an individual like myself who loves variety and can get excited by lots of different things. Coming to that one, which can be almost the point of your arrow where people, you know, people that attract people in uh, that you write about. How, how do you go about doing that? Yeah, that's, that's exactly right. 
Um, I, I would say, Chris, that there's, there's a lot of ways that one can do it. I actually wrote about it pretty extensively in, in my most recent book that you mentioned, Stand Out. But one that I'll suggest that, uh, that many people can turn to as they're thinking about w- what might be the, uh, the core of their breakthrough idea is really looking at the places where you have uh, skills or interests or abilities in multiple disciplines and finding ways to combine them. And specifically what I mean by that is that, you know, let's, if you're, if you're just good at biology, you know, you've been a biology researcher, you know a lot about biology, that's great. But a lot of other people have that, that training and that background. So it, it's hard to distinguish yourself. Um, but if you're able to overlay that with a new skill set, um, wherever it comes from, you know, your, your, your hobbies or your past jobs or, or what have you, um, sometimes you can begin to really see things in a different way that, that moves the needle. And so in Stand Out, I actually profiled a guy named Eric Schott that's been able to become one of the most well-respected and most cited biologists today. And part of the reason is that his original training was not in biology. Uh, instead, he did math and computer science and then transitioned over. And as a result, he had a, a kind of quantitative mindset that other people in his field did not. And it enabled him to be one of the first people to really grasp the possibilities that big data could afford biology. And so he dove into that, and he had the, the quantitative and statistical chops to understand it. And so as a result, he was able to make a, a deep contribution that, that other people were much more slow on the draw to. Um, so it's at those intersections that we can sometimes really uh, have creative breakthroughs. I think that's... Uh... Yeah, it's a, it's a great point, and sometimes I, I sort of joked about my, my me living variety. But I've sometimes seen actually that that variety that I have in in terms of my interests and background, bringing those things together. Uh, sometimes they combine in really useful ways. It was a lovely. It was a word that I, I read, which I really liked. Um, symphony, which was about bringing together disparate ideas into a coherent whole. Um, and I think if you have have you, know, you do have a number of variety of things, you're right. Finding those uh, those skills that you've got and and, um, and combining them or, or ideas multiple disciplines you've got um, can create something really useful and and unique. Yes, absolutely. Um, so we've got to go to we're going to go to commercial break now. But after the break, what I want to do is start to really explore um, some of the strategies that you need to put in place in order to become a recognized expert on your field. So we'll be back with you again in just a couple of minutes. That's great. Thank you. Okay. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high return group mentoring and mastermind program called the Achiever Program, one-to-one mentoring and coaching, facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? 
Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into the Business Elevation Show with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk. That's chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Now back to Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper. I'm with Dory Clark. We're talking about standing out. And, and Dory, I wonder, from your, your perspective and experience, um, what do you think are the strategies that are really essential to put in place in order to become a recognized expert in your field? Well, Chris, I think that one cornerstone that's essential is content creation. And what I mean by that is that for anyone that is looking to have their ideas recognized, to be known for the quality of their ideas, whether you are an entrepreneur, a consultant, an author, uh, or someone working inside a corporation that just you know wants to have their true talents recognized, it is almost impossible for that to happen if other people are not able to get a window into what your ideas are. You need to, you know, we live in a knowledge economy. And so it's not like you're a carpenter necessarily and can just show people, hey, here's this table I made. And, and people can say, oh, wow, that's really good. If you're trafficking in ideas, you need to share them and express them in a public forum for people to be able to see them themselves and evaluate their quality. Uh, if you don't do that, it's kind of a non-starter in terms of becoming uh, a recognized expert and standing out for your ideas. So whatever the format is, it could be blogging, it could be uh, social media, it could be creating you know, a podcast or you know radio program like this, it could be giving speeches, but you have to find some way to make sure that you are sharing your ideas with others. Yeah, yeah. And do you think, I mean, in terms of choosing that idea, I think I, I, I did blog for a while and I did, did write, but I, I chose the, the podcast and the radio because actually I probably enjoy speaking more than writing uh, and I enjoy finding out about other people. So it kind of suits me as an avenue. Do you think, are you best, are there other platforms that you must use? Are you best maybe choosing one that um, is more aligned to who you are and what you enjoy doing? Well, the way to, to really think about it is that it, it should be uh, these kind of overlapping circles. So one consideration is where your target audience is spending its time. So if you are trying to reach uh, teenagers, for instance, um, you know, it, then it may pay for you to be on, uh, on Snapchat or Instagram or something like that yeah. where, uh, it's just popular with teens. They're already there. So you might, you might as well take the, you know, the, the fish in the barrel approach. Um, but if you, the, the other factor to overlay is what are you comfortable with? You know, what, what do you enjoy doing? Because you are as a, uh, thought leader or a recognized expert, you're not going to keep up with a regimen of content creation if it's something that's painful for you or that you really hate. I mean, if you, if you are not a video person and you hate how you look on it and all the technical stuff uh, drives you batty, 
you know, don't kill yourself. I mean, you might think, oh, but, you know, video is the future. I have to do video. No, you don't. You can find other ways of making things work. So it's just really finding the sweet spot between what your audience is interested in consuming and where they spend time and where you excel. Great, great advice. Great, great advice. But is, with so many blogs, podcasts, social media sites, etc., is the world becoming too noisy, though, to really get noticed these days? Well, I think that there's, there's two answers to that, of course. I mean, one is, yes, there is a glut of content, um, and it's, it's much easier uh, for, you know, for anyone on any channel to, <laughs> to succeed if, if you started you know, five years ago, right? Yeah. Of course. Um, but that, the, the second point, the important point to remember, is that in five years, we are going to look back and we are going to be saying the exact same thing. Um, that it's not, there's not going to be uh, you know, this, this massive hollowing out where it's going to become a better time to start in five years. This is the best time to start that we have accessible to us. Yes. And, and so <laughs> I, I think another key point to keep in mind is that when it comes to content creation strategies, there is a massive amount of attrition. And uh, there was a, a study that was done that, that tracked podcasts that were created between 2005 and 2015. And the author, he published this on Medium, discovered something I think quite fascinating, which is that the average podcast, uh, people only kept up with it for 12 episodes. Yes. Literally, that was it. They did, um, on average, people stuck with it for six months and they created two episodes per month, so a dozen episodes, and then they stopped. And so if, if someone here is listening and, and saying, oh, you know, I'd like to start a podcast, that would be great, but oh, there's so much competition. Oh, there's hundreds of thousands of them. Well, the truth is, if you keep up with it like you have for, you know, 100, 200 hours, 200 episodes, that, that is a very small and rarefied group of people. Um, almost everybody else quits in the very early stages. So simply by persevering, you can actually gain a tremendous amount of traction. I, th I think you're right. I think what it, I hope it does, it shows you somebody with some discipline uh, to keep on moving forward. But I think, I do feel with this sometimes though, Laurie, and you know, you, you will have an opinion on this as well, is that maybe the benefits that you might expect from something like this, uh, sometimes the the benefit set is actually wider and more unexpected. So, uh, so people might go into this because they think they're going to, you know, do podcasts. They think they're going to sell more books, but actually, what they find is uh, by doing a podcast, it helps them uh, connect with an incredible network of people around the world. Uh, and and there's there's value that comes through that. Um, people might think that they're doing this because it's about the audience, but I, I often find that the value for me personally as a host comes from my you know, my rapport, my engagement with my guests. Um, so I think sometimes people maybe don't see the benefits in what they're doing initially and they get quit, quit and give up because they're not suddenly delivering uh, huge additional contracts and that sort of thing as a consequence of it. I, I think that's a really good point, Chris, absolutely. And it's something that I touch on in my book, Stand Out. I actually uh, profile a gentleman named John Corcoran, who, similar to you, uh, has really taken podcasting on as a, as a chief strategy for himself. And what, um, what I cover through telling his story is that podcasting or, you know, ins insert your content creation medium of choice, um, 
it's not just a marketing tool or a platform building tool. It, it certainly is those things. But I, I think if you do try to evaluate it one dimensionally, um, it, it, can, it can and probably will be disappointing because I, I think too many people, unfortunately, are still caught up in this magic bullet theory of, oh, I'll do three episodes and then I'll, you know, someone will call me up and give me a $100,000 contract. And, you know, that's just, uh, it's, it's sort of ridiculous to imagine that, that things would work that way. Um, you know, that's, that's kind of one in a million. Um, but what, what does happen, I mean, A, um, you can absolutely turn a podcast or any other form of content creation into a business driver but it's over time. It's not with three episodes. It's over years of doing it. It's, it's once it becomes a habit and you're saturating the market with your content, then it can really begin to drive things for you. Um, but above and beyond that, there are these ancillary, rather unexpected benefits, um, two of the biggest being professional development and networking. Um, with professional development, essentially, your, uh, your podcasting or your blogging or whatever you're doing is an opportunity for you to take any subject that you want to learn more about and get a free tutorial from an expert where you can ask them any question you want, um, which is really quite remarkable uh, because you're trading, you're essentially, you know, trading a little bit of publicity for this expertise. Um, so that's great. The second one is that it is an opportunity to expand your, your network. Um, there are lots of people that, uh, that John Corcoran and Standout uh, discussed, and I, I think this may, may be the case for you as well, um, where, you know, he, it was people he admired, people he would love to, you know, to invite out for coffee, you know, oh, you know, can we talk, you know, can I buy you lunch, something like that. But these people would be far too busy. You know, they just have too many requests. They're not ever going to say yes to some stranger saying, oh, can I pick your brain for a cup of coffee? But if you, if you say, well, instead, actually, I'm, I'm going to interview you and hundreds or thousands of people might hear it, um, then they say yes. And you're able to form a relationship with someone that would really otherwise never be accessible to you. And if you play your cards right, if you're smart about it, you can keep up that connection and turn it into a legitimate relationship over time. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely right. I would say some of the, the wealth I, I've gained from this show and has been um, the relationships and I think you know, the, the network that I have acquired from doing this and some of the people who you know, would have no reason to talk to me otherwise who you know, now become friends and some of them, my children get to meet the most amazing people who you know, won medals or done adventures or set up businesses and, uh, and these people become your friends and peers uh, through the fact that it's actually you, they see you can add some value to them and it becomes mutual. Um, it's wonderful. Um, but so I would recommend, I did actually, I'll be, be completely honest, it took me two years to really see, see the value and understand the value of it. But so after, after two and a half years in terms of time, I did actually pick up that in excess of a hundred thousand dollar contract, um, as a direct result of the show. So it, uh, you know, it does happen, but as you say, it takes time. Uh, and it's, um, it takes a lot of engagement with, uh, with people. Um, so how do you best spread your idea, though, in a non-spammy way? Because there is a lot out there. People are Twittering and social media and sending out some things which are you know, a bit junky in, uh, in some respects and, and not really value-added. I mean, what's your perspective on doing that? Yeah, I think that's a really good point, Chris. Um, I think that 
many people are nervous about any aspect of uh, of personal branding because they assume that it equates to uh, a kind of spammy, crass self-promotion. But I, I really want to push back on it. And I think that that in um, in my books, Reinventing You and Stand Out, I try to advocate for a very different view of that. Um, ultimately, if you are the, the best way to promote yourself is to uh, is to be useful to other people because that that is what they are going to be uh, remembering, appreciating, and you know that being useful is the way that you get to go viral because people want to share. Oh, you know, did you know this or I learned this from this person or oh my gosh, you wouldn't believe what you know what you know Dory did for me the other day. Blah blah blah. And so I, I think that that the best way to demonstrate your knowledge. Uh, some people think that it's it's being declarative. It's saying, I'm an expert at XYZ, and let me tell you uh, how many accolades I've won. Mm. That that's not memorable. I mean, that that you know, that that has like no chance of going going viral because it's just so boring and pompous. Uh, pe- you know, people aren't gonna listen and they're certainly not gonna pass that on and tell other people about that. Instead, the way is not to tell, the way is to show. And so if I want to tell people that I am a marketing expert, um, I need to show them. I need to prove that. And so, again, going back to content creation, if I, if I want to find a good way to show people that I'm a marketing expert, well, maybe doing a blog series about, you know, you know one day I do one about uh, five ways that you can use Facebook Live to improve your business. Uh, and the next day I do a blog post about uh, what you need to know about Periscope. And the next day I do a blog post about um, why Twitter isn't really dead and how you can make the best use of it in 2016. Uh, you know, whatever, whatever it is. But those are things that if you're interested in marketing in general, those would probably be pretty compelling topics if I had something good to say. And that is proving to other people that I am knowledgeable by offering them help that is interesting and timely and targeted. And that's the way... Uh, you know, by by educating others and sharing your hard fought knowledge, that you can really gain a reputation quickly uh, without being spammy in the least. It was really interesting. My assistant was saying, "I've just been looking at some um, Dory Clark's blog posts today, and they're fantastic. Um, you know, really great headlines, and it's really useful, valuable stuff." So, uh, yeah, she was certainly endorsing that, um, as, as I was when I looked through them a few months ago. Uh, when we first uh, we first talked, so you, know, you can learn a lot by uh, subscribing to to Dory's blogs and and checking the way that she does it because it's just really really high value and uh, and very smart. I think if you don't mind me mm-hmm. saying, Dory. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> so how um, how has the blog then? You know, from doing the blog, you have um, it's, it's led the books. Um, it's led to radio appearances and TV work. I mean, have that does that sum up the benefits of, uh, of the further benefits of taking the time to do that to stand out? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I you know, as I was mentioning earlier, um, the the way that I was finally able to attain a longstanding goal of mine of getting a book contract was by blogging and really making a concerted effort around that. So I, I think that that, that um, 
it's, it certainly can tie directly into it. But when I think about other benefits of content creation and sharing my ideas, um, to your point, you know, you, you were mentioning a moment ago, Chris, that it's, it took you a couple of years to really tap into the full value of, uh, of, of podcasting and, and what that enabled you to do in your business. And I agree completely. It, it took, I, mean, I think it just takes a while because there is so much content and noise to really break through. Um, in the world of politics where I came from, there's a saying that a voter will not even consider voting for you until they have heard your name at least seven times. Yes. And I think it's, it's equally true in the business world. I mean, you wouldn't, you know, you might hear one podcast episode and say, oh, that Chris guy is, is smart. But, you're, you know, no one in the world is going to trust you with a $100,000 consulting contract on the basis of, oh, I liked this one interview. Um, they, need, they need to build up that trust over time. And that comes from, you know, hearing many episodes of yours or that comes from reading many of my blog posts and seeing that consistently this is a trusted and knowledgeable voice. And so similarly, I was blogging regularly, which I define as, you know, about, let's say, give or take twice a week um, for about two to three years before I started to see demonstrable clear benefits from it, by which I mean inbound incoming inquiries from people that I did not previously know inviting me to, uh, to give a speech or to do a coaching project or, or something like that. Um, I, you know, certainly before that point, there are other benefits, as we talked about, like the professional development, like the networking. Um, there's also benefits with your existing clients uh, that can come earlier. So you know, let's say I have someone who already trusts me, but um, maybe I've done a a social media project for them, but I've written a post about, um, you know, let's say uh, management transitions and, and change management. And they mentioned to me that they're thinking of, uh, of doing something with that. And they, might, they may not know me in the context of change management. They, they may just think, oh, all Dory does is social media consulting. But if I, you know, but if they like me and trust me in that regard, and I am able to show them proof in the form of this article that I am knowledgeable about change management and send that over to them, then they it may change their thinking and they can apply that trust over and say, oh, well, she did such a good job with social media. Let's hire her for this other thing. And that can come faster. But if you're talking about turning a cold prospect into someone that will hire you for something significant, uh, two to three years is not at all uncommon uh, in terms of how long that would take. Mm-hmm. Well, we're going to go to commercial uh, commercial break now, um, but just before we do that, I just want to sort of say, you know, thinking, reflecting back on them, the fact that you took all of that time, to all those years, to write your thoughts down twice uh, a week and share them. Um, I imagine what that did is that enabled you to get really clear about the things that you believed in and that you didn't, and to have an opinion and. And, and, and sort of work through that intellectually, which I imagine can only add value to your clients. Yes, that's, that's exactly right. It, it really does sharpen your, your own thinking and, and create a, a reservoir for, for you. It's, it's almost like you have modules in your head where if somebody mentions a topic, um, you've, you've already thought about it. You already have something useful to say. Uh, and so it can, it can really, the benefits bleed out into a lot of what you do professionally. Excellent. We'll go to commercial break again. But after the break, we'll we'll have a look at um, some alternative methods to blogging. We talked about podcasting quite a bit as well, but getting your voice heard and some of the crucial steps to really establish your reputation over time. So we'll be back with you again in just a couple of minutes.
from the boardroom to you. Voice America Business Network. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high-return group mentoring and mastermind program called The Achiever Program. One-to-one mentoring and coaching, facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. What if every day was a good day for business? Because every decision you made was the best choice. What if you could receive regular input from credible sources and could acquire all the precise information you need, exactly when you need it, so you can make the right decision every single time? Because There's More challenges you to make better decisions. Join Laura Ellis every Monday at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific, and 2 p.m. GMT on the Voice America Business Channel and learn how to think differently for better decisions, better business. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. From the boardroom to you. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into the Business Elevation Show with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk. That's chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Now back to Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper. I'm delighted to be talking with Dory Clark. Uh, Dory, uh, we talked quite a lot about blogging. Uh, we talked a little bit about books. We've talked about podcasting quite a bit. I mean, are there any other methods to, for getting your voice heard? Yeah. So when it, when it comes to, uh, to really sharing your ideas, um, those are, are some excellent ones, of course, when it comes to reaching a global audience, you know, people who might not be right in front of you, but for people who are so inclined, um, a great way to hone your ideas and sharpen them in front of real people who can be reacting in real time is speaking. And I, I actually spend a fair amount of time these days uh, doing interviews or talking about building a professional speaking career uh, because now I'm in the fortunate position of, of giving a lot of talks and being paid to do that. But uh, for, for many years prior to releasing my first book, I gave many talks for free as a form of marketing, essentially. But um, it also served as a, a very good way of honing, honing my ideas mm. and, uh, and presenting them to interested audiences. Mm. So, yeah, professional speaking, or, or, or as you say, that opportunity to go out and speak, speak for free is... Uh, is, is, is a good thing. Do you think, I've had conversations about this with speakers before, do you, do you really strongly advocate that speaking for free? I mean, some people do believe it kind of can undermine a little bit the profession uh, and because people don't always, always see the value of somebody who spent hours and hours learning to speak and, and craft their talk and they just sometimes see them coming for half an hour or an hour. 
Yeah, exactly. Well, I think when you're when you're starting out, you have no choice but to speak for free. I mean, no one, no one, no one is interested otherwise. <laughs> I, I have a, I have a sort of model that I've developed, you know, framework uh, to think think about and quantify the demand for your services in speaking, and it basically goes something like this. Uh, and I think this is the arc of basically every uh, every speaker or professional speaker's career. And it starts out with uh, step one, which is no one is interested in hearing you speak at all, ever. And uh, <laughs> step two is, sure, they're interested in hearing you speak if it's for free. Yeah. Uh, step three is where, yeah, they're interested in hearing you speak. Uh, and, you know, they, they, they think that you might have something interesting to say, but they really don't have any money. And so maybe they could give you like a couple hundred bucks. Yeah. And then finally, finally, at... Um, at the final stage, uh, yes, they are interested in hearing you speak, and they want you, and they are so keen to get you specifically. And this is really, you know, tying back to how to stand out and how to become a recognized expert. Um, they are willing to pay you what you are worth. They are willing to pay you uh, a, a good, reasonable price for for your time. You know, that's. I think that's a really helpful uh, sort of four step model because i think i certainly i certainly see i'm very involved with the professional speaking association in the uk and i very much see people who you know come into that and quite quickly once they know what they speak about think i'm going to become a professional speaker and then they're frustrated because they're struggling to get people to pay them but it, it is a journey isn't it which can take quite a considerable amount of time to move through those steps from people uh, not being interested in having you speak through to are interested in being prepared to pay you what you're really worth. Yes, yes, exactly. So do you think people should take a long-term strategy with it? So I, I do. I mean, professional speaking, you know, by, by which I mean you're being paid a, a reasonable amount of money uh, to do it, is something that is very hard to, to flip a switch on. Um, and, and the reason for that is that you you have two simultaneous things that you need to to work on and and to you know to worry about so to speak. One of course is just at a literal level, uh, what is the quality of your speaking? Are you are you good on stage? Have you honed your craft such that you are giving people a good performance? And that's something that of course just comes from experience. And so that would be one reason to argue for going through the steps of giving a lot of talks for free so that you can practice and get better and better. Um, the other thing that people are paying for, frankly, is your brand. They are paying, uh, they are paying for the fact that people have heard of you. Uh, it's not just like, oh, we want to show our people a good time and give them a good talk. At a lot of conferences and sort of high-end things, what conference organizers want, frankly, is bragging rights. And that is why you get situations like, you know, one of the controversies in the current presidential race is that uh, Goldman Sachs paid Hillary Clinton two hundred fifty thousand dollars to give uh, to give a talk for them. And you know, is is any talk quote unquote worth two hundred fifty thousand dollars? I mean, no, of course not in a literal sense. But what is what the reason that they would find it worthwhile to do such a thing is that they want to give every Goldman Sachs employee in attendance bragging rights. Of being able to say, "Oh my gosh, you know, we saw Hillary Clinton speak," and that's somebody that everybody has heard of, and it's going to impress everybody. And uh, if you have not written a book, or you know, you you haven't somehow otherwise established a presence so that everybody has heard of you, 
the bragging rights are less. And you may give a really good talk and be fantastic, but it's going to have less cachet and be able to demand less money uh, because, because you are not uh, yet braggable. And so focusing on those two things, both your, your overall speaking skills and your brand, uh, that's why it's, it, they're both critical to becoming a recognized expert and standing out. Yeah, yeah. Great, great advice again. There, it is. Uh, it is a process that that takes takes time, doesn't it? And it takes a lot of commitment to see it through to the end. But I suppose that you know we talked. You talked there about Hillary Clinton. You don't have to be a Hillary Clinton though to make a success as being a speaker, do you? No, you definitely don't. I mean, that being said, um, no one is going to get two hundred fifty thousand dollars for doing it unless they're Hillary. No, no. But um, but uh, but there, there's a long way between. Be, you know between being successful and getting $250,000 for one speech. Uh, so I think, I think there's a lot of room there for most. Um, I would, I would say for the most successful business authors, uh, specifically, uh, t- you know, typically at the high end, if you are, let's say a New York times bestselling business author, you can get, uh, somewhere like between twenty-five and thirty-five thousand dollars for a speech, and that is, um, th- you know, that is not an unreasonable amount to expect um, for, you know, for people, of course, who are at at a lower level of uh, being well known. Then you'll get less money. But but for the folks where you you have heard their name, um, you know, all your friends, if they follow business writing. Uh, you know, have, have heard uh, of this person, you know, if people would be like, oh, cool, I love her stuff, you know, like that, that level of person would probably get between twenty five dollars and $35,000 for a keynote talk. Very nice. But we're talking about the, you know, we're talking about the, the elite here. It's a bit like uh, somebody wanting to play football, isn't it? Only, there's only so many make it to onto the, onto, onto the pitch. Uh, yes, exactly. <laughs> um, it's yeah. You, you, so you have to be very good at your craft usually to do that. I've done something remarkable. Um, now, just a, one thing we should sort of mention. I think we talk a little bit about podcasting there, and we talked about speaking. But you know what you're doing at the moment is you're you're a guest on my show. So there is opportunities, I think, to to stand out by being uh, being interviewed and on on media such as well, in the press and uh, podcasts, radio, and TV. Any, any thoughts on those? Media? Yeah, absolutely. And I think, Chris, that podcasts in particular are very valuable. Many people think that, let's say, a morning television show is the ultimate. They dream about interesting U.S. getting on a day show or something like that. But in truth, if your goal is to get well-known, or to sell books, something like that. Um, while it is wonderful to uh, to make it on a national television show, um, that's actually far less effective than being on podcasts. Ironically, even though podcasts would have you know many fewer people watching, um, and the reason for that is that on TV, it's this it's this super quick hit. Usually, you're on for you know a minute or a couple of minutes, and you know it's great if two million people see you, but they're not going to remember you if they've seen you for two minutes. And they're probably brushing their teeth and cooking breakfast. They're, they're probably not on their computer, uh, you know, wanting to order a book. Whereas if someone listens to you for an hour on a podcast and they're a fan of the podcast, they trust the host, 
Um, you know, maybe they have the opportunity to go to the show notes afterwards where there's a link to your book. Um, those can really drive book sales in a much more profound way. So during the release of my most recent book, Stand Out, um, one of my cornerstone strategies was doing a lot of podcast interviews. And I actually did in 2015 more than 160 podcast interviews as a way of promoting my book. Wow. That's incredible. So you really, really put the, uh, put the time into that. As a, as a strategy and really um really a good thought that thought there um what about um the, any the thought of you know connecting with with influencers i suppose with the podcast you are collecting with influencers aren't you um are there, are there other people that you particularly do you try and connect with bloggers who are got lots of traction out there when you're, you're choosing your podcast to go on do you have some sort of selection criteria or how does it tend to work yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, if, if if specifically we're talking about how to get on really good podcasts, a, a good starting point is uh, to do t- two things. One is to simply just go to iTunes and look at uh, the top-rated podcasts in your category. So, you know, not it wouldn't really help me to um, look at. ESPN sports podcast, but if I'm if I'm looking for marketing podcasts, for instance, I would look in that vertical and then go through and see, well, do they actually have guests? Not all of them do. And do they have guests similar to me? You know, let's say an author. Uh, if they do, those would probably be good ones to approach. Another complementary strategy is to uh, just do a Google search for something like best marketing podcasts or best business podcasts and create a master spreadsheet of all of the ones that are listed in the various articles and, uh, and, you know, top, you know, top hit lists. Mm. And if you, you know, you want to, of course, listen to the podcast before you reach out to see if you like it, see if it's a fit. Um, but if so, you can start reaching out proactively and suggesting yourself as a, a guest. And once you get a bit of traction, once you start, uh, being on a number of podcasts, the great thing is that it really is like tipping over that first domino and other podcasters listen. You know, there's sort of an echo chamber. They will hear that interview and say, oh, she was pretty good. I want her on my show. And then the invitations will start coming to you. Great, great. Um, so we're about to close the show now. We've, uh, we've come to the end. I wonder if you've got any final messages that you'd like to leave us with. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I think that um, that ultimately in in this crowded, noisy world, you know, we were talking about all of the challenges of, of getting heard and how to stand out. Um, fundamentally, the, the thing that you're going to be known for is the quality of your ideas. And so taking the time to think about what is unique about you, what is unique about the contribution you can make in your company or in your field, and, and spreading that is valuable. And so if people want some extra help in thinking that process through, I actually have a, a free resource, free tool on my website, uh, which is doryclark.com, D-O-R-I-E-C-L-A-R-K.com. It is a 42-page free self-assessment uh, to help you develop your breakthrough ideas and uh, learn how to share them with the world. So I hope that might be valuable for folks. Dory, th- thank you so much. Really enjoyed talking with you today. Uh, you you know, bring alive you know, different facets of, of standing out and Hopefully, from this, people will get be able to think. You know, is, is is blog for me? Is it podcast? Is it speaking? Is it a combination? Um, and hopefully, you've got some great tips and thoughts and ideas today from uh, from Dory about how to 
how to approach this. And I, I, I you know, love that thought around speaking as well about those four steps. And you know, people do try and jump into paid gigs and find it harder. And um, but take the opportunity to learn the craft and speak uh, for free if you need to. So, Dolly, thank you very much. On next week's show, we have uh, Mike Mooney, and Mike is uh, a director of operations um, for a very famous NASCAR racing team, Rosh Fenway. We're going to be talking about reputation and the essential rules to win in the reputation economy. Uh, so if you are interested in reputation, if you're interested in NASCAR and racing and, uh, and, and, and the life with, amongst, with racing teams, then you're going to enjoy uh, next week's show. Um, Joey Clark, once again, thanks very much. And I wish you all a tremendous week and hope you've got some ideas to elevate your business and elevate yourself today. Thank you so much. Great speaking with you, Chris. Thank you. We thank you for listening to the Business Elevation Show. Please join your host, Chris Cooper, again next Friday at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Be more. Achieve more.